Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, August 8th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Notes Podcast. It's Tuesday, so you know what that means. Super friends of the NFL variety, JP Acosta of SB Nation and USA Today's Jared Bailey. On the program, no Evan Swords this week. He'll be back next week. Um, we talk about the Bucks quarterback one battle between Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. Uh, why Darnell Washington is going to be awesome and a sneaky dude up there in Pittsburgh. And then we get into our NFC North preview. What do we think of the Bears? The Vikings? Could they be, actually be the worst team in the NFC North this year? Um, what makes Justin Jefferson so good and the best receiver in football? The Lions, for the first time in my lifetime, coming into the season as the preseason NFC North uh, champ expectations we've never seen before. And then the Packers. Why? I'm pretty high on the Packers coming into this year. Spoiler alert, I think they're winning the division and going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. That defense is going to be nasty, and they're going to run the ball well. And I like the receivers, tight ends, Jordan Love, kind of sneaky optimistic. So, uh just a little inkling on how this podcast is going to go on the NFC North front. So all that and more coming up with JP Jarrett next. Hey y'all. Thanks for checking out the chase Homes podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, if you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player, new episode, new content, every single day tennessee vols atlanta sports guys sports reporters assemble nfl nba college football all that and more right here on this feed each and every day your favorite writers analysts personalities in the space on this very feed every day so if you like that you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in knoxville tennessee then this is the show for you so make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player and if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave a, this show a five-star rating 
and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Holmes podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating, write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second, hit that pause button, take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ. Also here, the hypo hater himself. JP Acosta of SBNation.com. JP, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great, knowing that my team is not running a Mickey Mouse candy-ass offense. But you, you wouldn't enjoy FAU doing it? Would you not enjoy FAU running what... If you had hired just Alec Golish instead of uh, Tom Herman, you wouldn't have enjoyed that more? No, I think that'd still be a Mickey Mouse candy-ass offense. But in the AAC, you wouldn't enjoy it? No. Oh. Not it's a lot all. of fun, man. Scoring a lot of touchdowns is a lot of fun. Having the number one scoring play, offense in the sport is pretty fun. Play real football. None of that RPO stuff. Get, get that Mickey Mouse bullshit off my screen. I, I love JP. Um, this football season is going to be great. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna be fun. The Joe Milton conversation on this very show. It's gonna <laughs> suck. It's gonna be so bad. Jerry, you're not ready for this because J- uh, JP and I are quite familiar with uh, Joe Milton and the canon that he's got. So if you were tired oh. of the Anthony Richardson discourse, just get ready for the Joe so Milton it's discourse. Not, it's not like Anthony Richardson. One, because Anthony Richardson was 20 years old. Joe mm-hmm. Milton is like 24 at this point. I think he is 24, um, yeah. He lost the starting job at Michigan to Shea Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can throw the ball really fucking far. Yes. That's, that's the entire gimmick. He well, he's got far. he's got touch. His ball is beauty this summer. It's he's accurate. He's going to complete probably close to seventy percent of his passes. He throw ball far. Don't ask him to read defense. He throw ball far. <laughs> hey man, he can do standing back flips, and that's all you really want out of a college football quarterback at this point. You want standing back flips. Um, also here, behind the steel curtains, newest writer editor, um, USA Today, all over the place. The pump fake, Jared Bailey. Not wearing sunscreen, still surviving, but uh, trying to remind him as a good 30-year-old man, uh, trying to uh, usher on uh, some wise words here. Jared, good evening. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm fantastic. Yeah. No, we, uh, we attacked Latrobe sunscreenless mm-hmm. Friday night light practice and then followed the next day on Saturday. So those were my, you know, just a couple of days out. I'll, I'll probably sneak down there at least one more time. But no, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I do have a fun two fun stories from saturday's practice um mm-hmm. so i arrive i go to media check-in i tell her my name she like gives me a weird look she's like we're all you already checked in I'm like, what are you uh-huh. talking about and like I, I just showed up and she's like yeah well there's another Jarrett that's here um and i could have sworn he said bailey i was like you talk about Jarrett bell that's and close like, and uh so i got my credential and i walk into the media room and Jarrett's sitting there and i tap him on the shoulder i'm like so they thought that you were me 
and vice versa. And he just started laughing. He's like, I had no idea what was going on, but we got it all, all straightened out and whatnot. So um, I, I immediately texted Doug Farrar, the great mm-hmm. Doug Farrar, uh, the editor of the Touchdown Wire. And I was like, if, if me and Jarrett Bell don't get a podcast on the network called like Jarrett and Jarrett or like Jarrett Square, something like that. Double J, net- go full Jeff net- Jarrett here. The- J and J and J security. Mm-hmm. Oh, J and J security. That's good, JP Acosta. That's good. See, uh, the, the 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 network is dropping a major ball by not doing this, and I hope that they they take my my request seriously. But um, so that's the first story. Me and Jarrett Bell had a good laugh about that, um, and then him and I were on the sideline talking throughout practice, and a security guard comes over, and he's like, "Fellas, we don't mean to bother you or anything." Coach Tomlin just asked if you could just scooch over a little bit. He doesn't like that when that clock's blocked. I have never moved out of my out of someone else's way so fast in my life to stay in the good rapport, whatever good rapport I may have with Mike Tomlin. So me and Jared Bell scooted the hell out of the way. Practice proceeded. And and that was that. So yeah, that was the fastest I've moved in, in quite some time. I love that. How has it been fun? Do you enjoy going to those? Do you learn anything? Do you oh, see dude, enough to learn anything? It, I love it. Like mm-hmm. for for somebody who, know, this is only going to be my was it my third year, I guess, covering the league in some way, shape, or form. Like it's, I don't, I don't know, I like call anybody out or anything, but like anytime, like we go on trips to either you know Mobile, the Combine, um, anything like that, the draft, and like if I hear like murmurs about people like complaining, mm-hmm. like bro, we get paid to talk about football and cover football you could have like an actual like difficult you could be in a mine somewhere mining coal and like doing something that actually sucks like let's enjoy this because we're i don't like using the word lucky because like that's not a part of this like anybody who's gotten to a point where they can make money and a good living off of talking about sports worked their asses off to do it but we are incredibly we are incredibly beneficial to be able to do something like this for for a profession. So I try to not complain about it because it is an awesome job. And uh, yeah, anytime I can go out and especially for the, you know, the team I grew up, you know, still my favorite team, the team I grew up loving. Yeah, dude, it's, I will never turn out an opportunity to do that. Did you see Kendrick green catching passes? I did see Kendrick green catching passes. So they did it for the first time uh, on Friday night. And so they trot him out there and we're like, oh, what the hell is this? Because they were running with they're running with the uh, I think it was the twos at the time they're doing it. Because I'm pretty sure Mitch is the quarterback. And so we're like, all right, well, they already have, you know, the the normal set of you know centers and guards that we're going to be running with the twos. What are they doing? Starts off in like an offset eye at fullback, shifts up into H back off the line. They send him in jet motion. I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and then he, uh, Mitch does the, the play action bootleg and they hit Kendrick. And he gains like 15 yards. The place, 13,000 strong go. Absolutely ape shit. Deontay Johnson's running over to him and jumping on him. Dude, it was awesome. That is beautiful, real football right there. And it is my segue to, it's my segue to remind people that linemen are the best athletes on the field. That is Ooh. every every time. It's it Offensive truly, or defensive? It, is truly it doesn't amazing, matter. Though, man. Hmm. Both sides of the ball. The offensive and defensive lines are the best athletes on the field. And it's hmm. truly amazing because overnight, Kendrick Green went to like a guy who fans are like, all right, this guy's a bust. He's probably not going to make the team to 
cult hero for the Pittsburgh Steelers, probably going to have a role in the offense, especially like inside the five yard line. Who's going to stop? Like if they hand the ball to Najee Harris and Kendrick Green is coming in motion as the lead blocker, who's stopping that? Or if you're going to try to throw to Kendrick Green inside the, I, I don't know if there's a sports book that has odds on like over unders for touchdown receptions for Kendrick Green, but if like they said it at like half a touchdown, bet the over. I I would bet my, I bet anything he has a touchdown this year. The Steelers saw the Ravens trot out Pat Ricard and destroy yes. teams for four years, and we're like, "Yeah, we we can do this." Like, let's that's try the thing this. With, with Kendrick Green, he's not the size of an NFL offensive lineman, but you throw him in the backfield and have him lead block as a fullback or that's do what they did and have football. him come. That's yeah, there. This is gonna be fun. So he, like I said, he went from being yeah, he's probably not gonna make the roster to everybody loves Kendrick Green now. And hey, that's that's the beauty of the NFL. Innovation can uh, can save jobs and give guys roster spots, but now it's going to be interesting to see you know, if he does get a spot on the roster, who doesn't. This is like the opposite of what Falcons fans have been going through with Philly Pay Franks, is Arthur Smith has this... He just got look, cut. He did get cut, uh, but he'll probably be back because he's injured, and I think he will be back at some point because Arthur Smith cannot quit Felipe Franks. Uh, the man has so been infatuated like that, like by him for... Mountain. It's, I mean, he has I been, quit uh, you. he cannot quit Felipe Franks, um, tight end. He was running jet sweeps with Felipe Franks, uh, just the a week funniest, ago. The funniest tweet I've seen of <laughs> all time is first and 10, the jet, the Falcons do a jet sweep to Felipe Franks. I almost lost my mind <laughs> looking at that tweet. First senior bowl I ever covered Felipe Franks was one of the quarterbacks down there. And it was quite evident that he did not have a future as an NFL quarterback. And he was a former five star. He was a very, very highly touted uh, high school kid. Uh, Blue chip. Where did he go? Out. Fresno. Uh, uh, he went to Florida. No, he went to Florida. He was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Quarterback in Florida. And was benched really? and taken the job by Kyle Trask, who never started a high school game in mm-hmm. his career. I did not know he went. Did he? Who did he, Kyle Trask he, back up? He, was wait, it someone who played in Florida? Who was it? Kyle Trask played at Florida. He in high school at Texas. Derek King. That's right. Derek King. Yeah. So wait, Felipe Franks only played at Florida. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, Arkansas. He transferred from Arkansas. Oh, yeah, transferred I thought. Arkansas. Yeah, I was gonna say I re- Arkansas I brought... to Florida. Yes. Was he the one that threw the uh, Tyree Cleveland touchdown pass against what? Tennessee? Yes. Is that what you were asking me? Was it yes. was was your question? Was it was it Felipe Franks who threw the pass to Tyree Cleveland? Cleveland? Yeah. I think that's correct. I think it was. Yeah, because it was in the swamp. It was a. It was one of the tall quarterbacks. <sighs> they had a. They had it a wasn't Driscoll. Team. No, Driscoll um, was in the NFL by then. Yeah, it had to be. It wasn't Brantley. Um, no, Brantley sucked. That, that yeah. was in like 2012. Wasn't Treon Harris. Um, may have been Felipe Franks. Franks to Cleveland. I can look this up really quickly. It was. It was, yeah. it was Franks to Cleveland. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I thought I'm yeah. infatuated by this. You both are. You don't want to watch this play. It's a pretty dark moment. It's uh, a 63-yard Hail Mary that I think is hilarious because Felipe Franks is a bad quarterback and Tennessee just forgot how to defend a Hail Mary. Okay. Well, all right. This Okay. The hypo-hater stands here on this very program. But I appreciate it here, JP. Um, I have a question for you. The most interesting quarterback one battle going on in training camp for you Based on all the battles going on right now, what are you most interested in seeing who wins the job? Who are you most intrigued by? I'm a sicko. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, I wow. think it is the most interesting because that is a division that is still very winnable for any team in the division. I mean, you look at what 
They bring in offensively. Dave Canales comes from Seattle. Who, he was a quarterback's coach in Seattle who helped kind of revitalize Geno Smith's career. So you're kind of, the hope it kind of is whoever plays quarterback, you can maximize whatever they are. We just don't mm. know who's going to be quarterback one. But looking at the offensive roster, like at skill positions, you still got Mike Evans, who is very, very, very good. You still have Chris Godwin, who is one of the best wide receiver twos in the league. Russell Gage is a good wide receiver three. I think the offensive line had a lot of issues last year, but now that the kind the guys have kind of grown up a little bit, Tristan Wirfs going from right to left is going to be very interesting to watch this year because Tristan Wirfs was one of the best right tackles in the league, and now moving over to left, it's not as easy as people think it is. Like people think it's just like Madden where you're like, oh, let's just put this right tackle at left tackle and it'll work because it's just offensive line. No, there is so many innate things and about the movements at different at different positions that just makes it very difficult. I think Tristan Wirfs talked about it extensively about going to see a sports therapist because he was so worried about failing at this spot. So I'm very intrigued to see who wins that position battle because it is the NFC South. None of those teams are actually going to be good, but somebody has to win the division. And the Bucks are still like they still have enough talent to win a division in a in a division that's not that good. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. The Falcon strays that I just keep catching on this podcast, JP, when they walk into 10 or 11 wins, I don't know if you looked at the schedule, the Atlanta sports guys, we were going through it today. I love that we're opening with the Panthers at home because that might decide who makes the playoffs and wins the division week one. Cause I can't get over just the week one stat of like, if you lose week one, your playoff odds just going down just uh, at an unbelievable, what is it? 12% of teams that, uh, lose week one or lose week one, make the playoffs. Like that's bonkers. Um, that there's just that much pressure right out of the gate here. But um, you get your Jags in London. Um, it's gonna be a fun week for the pod for that one. You're not gonna like it, JP, because it's just gonna be a lot of five yard outs and Bijan jet sweeps and just dinking and dunking uh, the Jaguars to death. Which are you sure that Desmond Ritter can hit those passes? All right. Well, that's what Trey Lance is for in week ten. We'll uh, we'll bring him in and change things. Daniel Jeremiah pitched that today or this week on uh, Rich Eisen show. I'm so tired. I'm glad that Evan is not here for this conversation. So, um, I don't know. I I would never have guessed that you were going to go Bucks here and the Kyle Trask um, Baker Mayfield. Do you want to see Trask win just because you haven't seen anything from him to this point, or do you want Baker Mayfield to win? Do you think they're more interesting with Baker? So my head thinks that Baker Mayfield is going to win that job. I do think it'll be somewhat interesting if Baker Mayfield wins that job because Mm. Baker Mayfield last year played his best football in a McVay-style offense where he he both, A, doesn't have to throw the ball over the middle of the field, Mm. B, doesn't have to stay in the pocket and throw the ball, two things that he's not very good at. So you get him on the boot action, you get him rolling out of the pocket, there is a possibility that you can turn him back into just an average quarterback. I mean, you don't need him to set the world on fire. But my heart kind of wants Kyle Trask mainly because, like, I just want to know who this person is. I want, I want to know, like, who, who is, who is this quarterback? Is I Kyle mean, Trask a real person? I saw him at Florida. He almost made the college football playoff. I saw him at Florida. They did almost make the college football playoff, which is a wild thing. But that was a whole bunch of, hey, Kyle Pitts is good. And, hey, Kadarius Tony's good. <laughs> Just throw the ball to them. 
The wheel and route was just unguardable. Georgia just couldn't, like, they just called the same play. Dan Mullen was just like, what are you going to do with this? Spammed the wheel route to LaMichael Pirine, and <laughs> nobody could guard it. But I am interested to see what actually, like, Kyle Trask can do. Mm. Just in kind of, like, a sicko way, because I also want to see this kind of crash and burn. Mm. But I do think, like I said, the Bucks are a very interesting team because roster-wise, they're still extremely talented. And can still win that division. It's just you got to make the right choice at quarterback. Now, when no it pressure. Comes to, when it comes to the Bucks at quarterback, like it's with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, it's like choosing. Okay, do you want to get a root canal or a colonoscopy? <laughs> but no matter what, no matter what you choose, Todd Bowles is your doctor. Good luck. I, I I understand the sicko's perspective of like just wanting to see what happens. That's fine, but I I don't but know, Todd, man. But Todd Bowles isn't calling the plays. You got, a, you got a new coordinator, comes over from Seattle, comes from a McVay offensive tree. You know, maybe, maybe this can be a thing. Maybe you can make it work. I'm not going to put any eggs in the basket of Todd Bowles and, you know, Baker Mayfield slash Kyle Trask being a team that comes out of the NFC South, man. Like, I understand that this vision is bad, but, and I get Todd Bowles isn't calling the plays. That's fine. I hear your point on that. Todd Bowles is a bottom three head coach in the NFL in terms of a guy who lives in his fears, game management. He's not good, JP. He's a great defensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach. I don't know about bottom three, though. I'd, We're in the bottom three. I'd say Todd Bowles, Josh McDaniels, Dennis Allen. Ooh. So maybe, hmm. maybe Matt Eberflus, if you want to throw him in there, he hasn't really proven anything yet, but I would comfortably put Todd Bowles in the bottom three. Hmm. Not just because of what he's done with Tampa Bay, but like with the Jets, he didn't do anything spectacular. He had that one season where Josh McCown had like a career and they went 10 and six, but uh, Todd Bowles does nothing for me. Hmm. I, like I said, I still just want to see what you can salvage out of Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask with the talent that they have on the roster offensively, because you still have three very good receivers you, if you can make something out of, I think Kate Otten had some moments last year at tight end. You can make something out of this offense. It's not like there's nothing there and Baker Mayfield is going to play hero ball or Kyle Trask is getting thrown to the wolves with throwing to like Laquan Treadwell or something. I think there's stuff there for it, for it to possibly work. And like we said, in a division that is very, very bad, anything can, anything can happen. You know, I, mean, I think that'd be better than Arizona. Sure, but that's like ninety-five percent of the league is going to be better than Arizona. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, I think yeah, it might be hundred percent. I, I think that they're going to be probably drafting in the top five. If I had to guess right now, the Bucks or the Cardinals? Well, both. But yeah, we're talking about the Bucks, so probably I top five for Tampa. I think the Saints are more likely to draw uh, to draft in the top five than the Bucks. I think oh, the like, Saints. I like I don't like the Saints either. I think that they. John Gruden has been installing type. this offense. Alvin Kamara is not playing the first three is he games a part here. Part of the coaching staff. I'm so John Gruden's not John a Gruden part. Stuff. He's not a part of the coaching staff. He's just a special advisor. Yeah. He's basically, come over just because. He's like a hired Hulk. mercenary. Oh, <laughs> that's what you want to call him. He's basically <laughs> come over because Derek Carr's best career year was yeah. with John Gruden as his play caller. You want to but was of, it? I thought it was the MVP year with Musgrave and Jack Del Rio. 
like that was like seven, eight years ago, where he was all, like a really like an MVP candidate. Like that's the Musgrave year, he got hurt at the end of May. Had to start post, like, else. breaking his leg. Okay, that's fair. Post post leg break. This it was his best year, but the hope there is kind of to ease the transition from going from the Raiders your entire life and going from a Gruden offense to whatever they're going to be running in uh, New Orleans. I honestly, like I said, I can see the Saints being winning this division. They have a really easy schedule. And look, man, Chris Olave is going to be a star. I do wonder how much you're going to get out of Michael Thomas this year. Um, the offensive line, still pretty good. I'd say they have two of at least like the top 10 guys at their position in Ramchek and Eric McCoy. Uh, Trevor Penning, I'm still waiting to see it. I didn't wasn't a huge fan coming out of college. We're going to see in the NFL. The defense is still probably going to rock, which is so wild to me because they keep they keep losing guys but somehow keep continuing to be good on defense. And that's a testament to how they draft. So I do think, like, I've, I'm able to talk myself into every team in the NFC South winning the division. But I can also talk myself into every team in the NFC South completely bottoming out and picking top five yeah because like with the saints like we can say right now they have the best quarterback in the division at least you know bryce young has the highest ceiling i would say but i think right now Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback today um but everything else about them man like marshawn Lattimore is good the rest of their best defensive players are old and <laughs> they're old but they are still they're still fantastic players Do you know Cam jordan is second uh the second uh second in sack uh, uh active sack leaders in the nfl that sounds i didn't realize right. he was that high good. yeah he's, he's good that makes sense. he's behind von miller like i never would have guessed cam cameron jordan had that many sacks to this point in his career yeah cameron jordan still very good demario davis yeah. is very good at middle linebacker i think pete werner played his butt off since his rookie mm. year underrated linebacker in the NFL. I think Alante Taylor and Paulson Debo, who are, are both young, fairly like they're fine in the secondary. Again, I can see it, I can see it coming together because Dennis Allen is a good defensive coordinator. He is a good defensive play caller. You can you can get something. You're gonna get good defense out of a Dennis Allen led team. Derek Carr, John Gruden and Dennis Allen, a nightmarish blunt rotation. Going oh on in New Orleans right now. That but I think good. Pete Carmichael and those Saints offenses from years ago. I think John Gruden. I don't know who. <laughs> I didn't just think well, I mean, a... and this is getting very deep into the weeds of it, yeah. but it is very much kind of the same bones of a West Coast offense. John yeah. Gruden mm. is very much a West Coast offensive guy. Short passes, horizontal, uh, getting the ball out east to west. Chris Olave is going to benefit a lot from that. I think Rashid Shahid is very is good at what he does which is vertical threat uh he he had a lot of fantastic moments last year um again it really just depends on what you get out of michael thomas and Derek carr i wonder how good can De how good can Derek carr be can he be good enough to elevate that offense to a playoff level and can michael thomas get back to a point where he's actually playing football I can't be talked into Michael Thomas, man. Like I, I wrote it here. I'll give you a little spoiler and peek into um, the USA Today NFL Power Rankings that will be coming out tomorrow. Um, when it comes to the Saints, like I can't be bothered about Michael Thomas. And if somebody tries to talk me into Michael Thomas, I'm gonna proudly and happily walk into the sea. Like I, I, I like Chris a lot. I, you know, I do think that he's gonna be a star in the league. 
Alvin Kamara is going to be gone. What three games that he got suspended? Yeah, I think three games. Gonna, yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Um, I'll have to look to see who their first three games are against. I don't know if. That, well, I saw they brought in Kareem Hunt today, so I maybe that's pulled up. Okay, go ahead. So their first three games are Tennessee at Carolina at Green Bay. Then they play at home against Tampa at New England at Houston Jacksonville at Indianapolis Chicago Minnesota. Then they have a bye. That is a very, very, very winnable, it's a very schedule. light schedule. And me and uh, me and Mike Tanier talked about this too uh, on the pump fake. Like, I don't think any of the teams in the NFC South are great, but we're gonna have at least one of them that are gonna be like chilling at like ten and five, and you know going into week seventeen with possibly getting eleven wins. And all the media is gonna be like, "Oh my goodness, is, is this NFC South team like really good?" No, they play in a horrible division. All of them play easy schedules. And then they're going to get destroyed the second they play a real team in the playoffs. So it's going to be or one of those the Falcons years. kick major ass. Bijan's awesome. Desmond's awesome. The defense is awesome. Troy Anderson's yeah. a dude. AJ Terrell is Rebus Island over there. Jesse Bates is. I a didn't dude. go that crazy with my Falcons section, but I think that you you might not like their placement in the inaugural power rankings, Chase Thomas. But I think you'll enjoy my wit and sarcasm that goes into their section. Okay. Well. I'll take that. Let's come out tomorrow. There's a little plug. Well, uh, check that out on USA Today. Correct. Okay. USA Today. Check it out tomorrow or today when folks are listening to this. Um, Jarrett, what does it mean, series? I have a question for you. Oh, this would be a fun segment idea. Okay. If Darnell Washington, who is blowing up that you've seen in person, uh, was very good, and JP is the two college guys in this very program, have seen Darnell Washington, and also what teams look like without darnell washington because that georgia team against ohio state looked very different without darnell washington blocking and just being an absolute madman uh because brock bowers being the best tight end in football i think he was kind of overshadowed and he would have been seen as like a kyle pitts type not the same kind of players but just that same kind of like oh he is uh unstoppable he's the main guy on a lot of elite offenses around the country he is a very large human being <laughs> and a very large football player that is crazy athletic, good blocker. And I, I'm very curious to get your perspective on like, if Darnell becomes an immediate all pro level tight end in Pittsburgh, how does that change the calculus for Matt Canada and what Pittsburgh's going to try and do and what they can actually be in the next two to three years? Well, not to rain on your parade. Oh no. I'm not going to say anything bad about Darnell Washington because like I remember seeing him at the combine. I wasn't as close to him as I was these past few days. Dude, he is every inch of 6'8", 260. He's ginormous. Yes. He's, he's built like a Chevy Impala. <laughs> yeah, he's he is a walking Toyota Tundra. It is amazing. Um, yep. Now, in terms of, and I think this is where Steelers fan needs to like, they need to reel themselves in a little bit. Darnell Washington, his role, at least immediately out of the gates, like he'll have a few targets and maybe a few touches. That's not what they're going to utilize him at. He's going to be kind of like that extra tackle, a Mm. big blocking threat. Like even they're doing, you know, pass protection drills. He went against TJ Watt. He beat him two straight reps. Yeah. He went guys against like Nick Urbig, who's been blowing up Steelers camp as one of their most impressive players. Urbig beat him, but the next rep, he, he beat him. So like he's mm. going up against their best pass rushers right now in camp, and he's holding his own. And I think that's what they're going to f- focus mainly on utilizing him as is just an extra blocker. If I had to guess what his numbers are going to be, I'd say he probably has somewhere between like 30 and 35 catches, but he's not going to be somebody who's getting 65 catches and being like 
the focal point of an offense, at least not in Pittsburgh right now. Can he eventually become that? I think so. He's athletic enough. And if you send Darnell Washington down the seam, nobody is stopping him. And I think that that's what his role is going to be is once they get into the red zone. Okay. Now you got to worry about, okay, he's going to block. If they go, you know, 12 personnel with an offset eye with Kendrick green, Darnell Washington and Pat Fryermuth, or if you want to throw in Zach Gentry, cause he's the better blocker. You've got a lot of options in terms of what you can do, which isn't something Does he up the offensive line in a big way. So is this a big oh one for Najee goodness, Harris? Yes. We're yes, like Najee's absolutely. a big winner. Yeah. Because if you look at the Steelers run tendency, run tendencies last year they were 24th in the league and runs to the left that's mm. that's where darna washington is going to be lining up mm. and in terms of what they did to just that side of the line they bring in isaac samalo who jason kelsey has went on record i think it was, it was on new heights where he's talking about you know losing samalo and calling him one of the best guards in football he's going to be the starting left guard steelers released their inaugural depth chart dan moore is listed as a starter Roger jones is starting week one so you get Samalo, you get Jones, and then you get Darnell Washington when he's on the field on that side. That is just night and day difference in terms of second level blocking, athleticism, blocking in space, like a ton of things that they didn't have on that side of the ball or that side of the line last year. So it's going to free up a lot of you know the balance in terms of the run game. And that's what the Steelers offense is going to be like. I know that they have a ton of stars or you know blooming stars with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. People are excited about Calvin Austin. I don't see, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Kenny Pickett could have, you know, a, a Trevor Lawrence type year. I don't think he's going to because they're going to be a very run centric team. I think it's going to be, you know, 55, 45 run uh, compared to passing. So um, and that's fine. Like they don't need Kenny Pickett to be, you know, a 4,500 yard per game thrower. And let me compliment Kenny Pickett real quick. He looks really good, man. Like, hmm. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to be elite. I don't think he's going to be in that tier of you know the, the tier one quarterbacks. But can he be, you know, around Derek Carr, Dak Prescott? That I think he can. Uh, and as long as he like you, he looks poised. He looks confident. Um, he they were doing seven shots, and he ran for a touchdown and almost knocked myself and Nick Farball over as he ran through us and parted us like the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. He he looks night and day better than he did last year. And I think a lot of that is going into camp knowing he's the guy knowing that there's not any sort of quarterback controversy. And that type of confidence is spreading throughout the rest of the offense because the receivers are in sync. He's in sync with the receivers. I'm excited to see what Kenny Pickett does this year. I think he's going to have a really nice year, even if the stats don't look gaudy. Like if he does, and I've made this comparison before this offseason, if he has like a Mitch Trubisky 2018 type year where he throws for like 3,900 yards, 24 touchdowns, like nine picks, that's fine. As long as everybody else lives up to their expectations, the Steelers are a playoff team if Kenny does that. So, But to, an- to answer your question about Darnell Washington, he's not going to be a 60 reception type guy. I think he'll get his touches, but there's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. They're going to utilize him mainly as a blocker, and this is going to be a run-first team. And I think one of the interesting things that I'm looking forward to watching in the NFL this year, just as in a general, on a general landscape, and certainly applies when it comes to Steelers, is we are getting back to the big boy grilling on the roof offense. We're going to get back to 12, 21 12 personnel. personnel and that's because like defenses have gotten more spread out, gotten lighter. Defensive personnel has gotten lighter. I mean, you can look at some of like the best off-ball linebackers in football. Fred Warner's maybe 230, 235. You don't see a lot of those bigger guys anymore. And yeah. just – I'm not trying to rag on them too much, but the Chargers, they ask a lot of their nickel defenders, those 190 to 200-pound corners, to stop the run. If you pull a guard or you have a 300-pound guard to tackle, 
pulling around and beating the 190 pound corner. Oh, Kendrick Green is throwing those nickel cornerbacks like lawn darts, man. I, I, I know who I'm taking in that battle. So I do think it's going to be interesting to see what the um, what Steelers offense and what general offense looks like in the NFL this year. I think with what they've done, especially offensively by adding Broderick Jones, adding Darnell Washington, it's going to be heavy. 12 personnel. They might get into some 21 looks. They're going to try and beat teams up along the front. And I really do. I really am. Do you think you're going to be one of the best offenses in football? Top 15? <laughs> top, that's I still. I think top 15 is doable. I don't think they're going to be like a top 10 elite, you know, 30 points a game offense, but I think they'll be efficient. They will be. They'll be around the 15 to 18 range. To I would me. agree. I, I need to see the Kenny Pickett thing. I need to see it work a little more. I think. One of my issues with Kenny Pickett last year was like he is so quick to bail on pockets. He gets happy and he's feet, not man. and he's not the the athlete that can make that work outside the pocket. He is he can move a little bit. I'm sure. Congrats, but that he's not the type of guy who can. I mean, make he's not a Lamar living. Jackson, but he can run. I'm not comparing him to Lamar. Even so, what I'm what I'm saying is. Kenny Pickett is not a good enough athlete to make his best football outside the pocket, creative throws. He doesn't. Okay. He doesn't have the arm talent. And he doesn't have the have the athleticism to do that. We're on the where same I, page with that. Yes. Where I much. think Matt Canada. I mean, that's also a big thing. Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator. I don't trust a lot of teams with Matt Canada as a coordinator. Yeah. Where I think the offense should go with Kenny Pickett is put him on the Kirk diet, boot action, like early Kirk. Play action, bootlegs, make this look straight up like 2018 Madden user Jared Goff. Don't do not let him try and create on his own right now. It's good that he can do that. That's what I'll say. It's good that he has shown that he is willing to do it. I just think he does not have the facilities to do it. They shouldn't rely on him. They they shouldn't rely on that to be like a focal point of their offense. It's like, okay, Kenny, you just go off script. Like, no, you don't need to do like if they if shit hits the fan and he needs to do that every once in a while, fine. But, and I don't think he'll have to, because like I said, the offensive line's better. They're going to have overall, the offense is going to be better, which is going to make him better. And I think an entire off season, knowing he's the guy another year in the system and they can do a lot of fun things formation wise. Like they can put Darnell Washington lined up in the slot if they want to, and just have him run down the seam and say, try and stop him. He's, he's a 19 foot gazelle. Have fun. And they can move Najee out a little bit too. Right. I don't think they're gonna, you know, it, now he can catch passes out of the backfield, but I don't think yeah. they're going to stick him in the slot or anything like that. They don't really have a reason to, hmm. um, but I'm, this is the most excited I've been for a Steelers season and probably since like 2019. And then that year, Ben got hurt week two and Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges were what I had to look forward to every Sunday. So again, I, I want to be excited. Like everything I said about Steelers offense, I want to be excited about what it looks like. I just don't trust Matt Canada with all, with all this collection of, talent and is there an in-house replacement if things go awry this year jared no probably just hire from within like that's what i'm saying they always hire from within is there the next in line guy if they like sullivan the quarterback's coach would be my guess um Mm. the steelers are every italian mafia ever (laughs) depicted they (laughs) they don't they don't bring anybody in from the outside and Mm. nobody nobody ever gets fired you either you either die in the job or you retire it's like the supreme court in pittsburgh Exactly. They've had like three. They've had three head coaches 
since like 1960. Yeah. <laughs> and they've only had four GMs in that same time period. Like they don't fire people. It's crazy. Yeah. And sometimes like that that can be appreciated and I I understand the the want of continuity and whatnot. However, last bringing back Matt Canada this year, you better see a big jump in production because that was the safest bet of the offseason was that he wasn't going to be back. And he mm. is. So unless they unless he shows real improvement, real willingness to move to push the ball downfield. I, I can imagine like early on in the season, like week three, if the Steelers offense is struggling, they're losing like 17 to three at halftime. The offense stinks in Acrisure Stadium. They are going to boo the piss out of Matt Canada. There's going to be fire Canada chance. They are going to Steelers fans aren't afraid to get loud and speak their minds. So uh, he better have they better produce early and often. Hmm. I'm curious. I think they're one of the more fascinating teams in the NFL this year, and I think Kenny Pickett is probably one of the more fascinating um, quarterbacks in the league. Going I think into he's this either going to be really impressive, or it's going to be like, yeah, his stat line will look a little bit better, but him personally, like, where it, it could be disappointing. I, I don't. I think it's going to be two like extremes on either end. I don't know if there's too much of a middle ground. He's Kirk with two gloves, and sometimes that's okay. Like just just being okay sometimes is just okay. Two glove Kirk. Um, we are continuing on our preview series here. Um, the NFC North, uh, kind of a divisive uh, division, and it's one that it's kind of interesting that it's just been on lock for so many years that you haven't really had to think about it. And there have been two teams, generally speaking, in the gutter, <laughs> in the Bears and the Lions. It's really just been like, are the Vikings going to break through? Probably not, but they'll maybe be a playoff team. They'll hang around. And then the Vikings got very lucky in a lot of one-score games, and the defense was just horrific last year, and that was just like a guaranteed, like, just bet the Giants. The Giants are beating the Vikings. Like, it was just very fraudulent, um, them coming in. But Justin Jefferson, maybe the best wide receiver in football. You have a gigantic year for Justin Fields in Chicago. You've got Jordan Love, new quarterback in Green Bay. I mean, it's just very, very fascinating. Obviously, like the Lions coming in with, for the first time in what, my lifetime, uh, with a gigantic division winning expectations before the year that fans of the Detroit Lions will be upset if the team does not win the division this year, that their expectations. never backfired on the medal. I know. <laughs> uh, it's never backfired. But. I think we should start with the Bears, who I think are the most divisive here. Um, JP, the best reason why the Bears figure it out this year, Justin Fields breaks through, they make the playoffs. What is the case for the Chicago Bears this year? I am so, so intrigued by what the Bears' offense is going to be this year based on how they looked structurally in the mm. back half of the season and who they added in this offseason personnel-wise. I think... Luke Getze did a really good job of completely flipping that offense halfway through the year. I think it was a very critical turning point. Um, the Thursday night football game against Washington where national media and national television saw Justin Fields like die like on television and everybody just the alarm bell started going off because it didn't look great. But what they started to do was essentially they create, they molded this offense around Justin Fields dynamic rushing ability and his willingness to take shots down the field. 
that is where I think this offense really gets into their pocket when they can attack teams vertically in both the run game and in the passing game. They they can do a lot of stuff up front. I think adding Darnell Wright, um, I I had a little bit of a question about drafting him at nine. I feel like you could have drafted him a little bit later, but Darnell Wright is a very, very good run blocker. Um, I think he has very quick feet. Um, this is the most I'll ever say anything nice about the University of Tennessee, but he was very, very good at Tennessee. Are we, are we not talking about um, Vilas Jones on this podcast? Okay, I no, thought you, you might say something no, nice there. Okay, continue. No, but what else they did? Oh, man, they added Nate Davis mm. from Tennessee. Mm. They are going to lean heavily into the vertical displacement in the run game. And that's going to benefit guys like Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman. It's going to benefit Justin Fields, too, because now teams have to account for his legs in the run game. So that means you have to either bring a safety up or you're bringing bigger personnel onto the field to stop that run threat. But one of the things that I was so intrigued and what was so promising about Justin Fields last year in the back half of the season was how aggressive he was throwing the ball down the field. They just didn't have a receiver who could catch. So now you go out and add DJ Moore, who both can catch, is very, very good, and can create easy separation. That's going to unlock a lot of different levels for this offense. Tyler Scott in the third round was a steal. I think he's going to unlock another level for that offense vertically. I am just so – I'm excited to see what this Bears offense looks like in 2023 because they can do so many things in terms of the vertical displacement. I think that's gonna it's going to look a lot like – or what I'm hoping is it looks a lot like the Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts, except you're throwing the ball downfield a lot more. I think Jalen Hurts is still – I think he improved at it a lot last year, but I think he is still kind of a east-to-west horizontal passer, whereas Justin Fields can hit those passes 40, 50 yards down the field and also probably go run and catch them as well. Um the biggest reason why they're not going to do anything is because that defense is still, still not that good. Um, they paid Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards a lot of money. I am not a big, I'm not a big believer in Tremaine Edmonds. I think he is big, fast, I can stop the run sometimes, but not very good in pass coverage. TJ Edwards is big and can stop the run. I don't trust him in pass coverage. Um, the Bears blitzed at the 25th highest rate in the NFL, which is, of course, is Matt Eberflus. Tampa 2 defense, they rush four religiously. They don't bring pressure. That means you have to win with four. They were last in sacks, last in pressure rate. Adding Yannick Ngakwe is going to help, but I don't know how much of that is going to change this defense from being like really bad to passable or you can make the playoffs with this defense. Um, Secondary-wise, they're pretty talented. I think Jaquan Brisker is pretty, is pretty good. Um, I think... Jalen Johnson, still very good. Well, he's still good in that defense. Um, they drafted Kyler Gordon, not Trent McDuffie. Uh, Kyler Gordon, I think, is going to be fine on the uh, in the slot. I think Tariq Stevenson from Miami is probably going to fight for starting spots on the outside just because he, he is so much a Matt Eberflus Tampa 2 corner. Big, mm. long, physical, can, is fast, but you want him playing that flat area that hook that flat area in the cover two where he can like he can either bait the bait quarterbacks into throwing the ball, uh, trying to th- hit the honey hole throw, or just absolutely blow up guys who who catch those short passes into the flats. I still have a lot of questions about this defense, just talent wise up front. 
that's going to be the biggest issue. They just don't have the dudes up front. But, you know, if they end up making the playoffs, if they if they do that, it's because the offense just takes off at an astronomical level and the defense becomes passable. But it can very easily fall apart. I like a lot of what JP just said. Like, I think that the drafting of Darnell Wright was kind of symptomatic of, you know, them saying, yeah, we're going to keep running the ball because he's a guy who can get to the second level and get in space and make blocks downfield. So I like that addition um, as well as the Nate Davis addition as well. Um, if they can figure out a role for Chase Claypool too, like just have him be the power slot guy. Don't try to turn Chase Claypool into a downfield threat because they tried to do that last year. Pittsburgh's tried to do it. That's not his role. He's a fine big slot. Do that with him. Darnell Mooney coming back off injury. DJ Moore, like we can say, you know, a lot of things can be true. Yes, Justin Fields needs to be more efficient as a passer, but he was throwing to, you know, paint cans and a drawing of Moose and Muhammad. That, that was his receiving core last year. It wasn't good, man. So, but it's good this year. Like, this yeah, is a like, good group. On paper, they're solid, man. They've gone from really bad to they can they can win games with these guys. I do Absolutely. think the Justin Fields thing is very interesting because as talented as he is, as good of a quarterback as he is, one of the biggest drawbacks I had on him coming out of Ohio State, and one of the things that you see in the NFL is his internal clock as a passer is a tick too slow, yeah. where it's not exactly like he doesn't feel the pressure, because he does, it's just he is so aggressive as a downfield passer. Yeah. He will hold on to the ball until he's like, yeah, this it's go time, and throws the ball 40 yards down the field. But it's not going to work in the NFL when you, everybody's, everybody's just as fast. So I, I would like for him to be a little bit, just a tick quicker in those progressions. He started to do it a little bit last year, which was very encouraging. But I still, like, I still am a little worried. And – he takes a lot of hits. He took a lot of hits last year. Part of that was due to the offensive line being bad, and part of that was due to their only successful form of offense was Justin Fields' run, do something. Yeah. Hopefully adding Roshan Johnson, adding all the all the guys they added up front, that'll mitigate the amount of hits. That's my biggest concern for this offense is you cannot – you can't let Justin Fields run the ball 20 times a game. He cannot, he cannot be your best passer and your best rusher. What if Justin wants volume. that, though? You got to tell him, like, hey, man, this isn't good for you. <laughs> We're trying to help you out. I think. Yeah. Because I, I get the sense the he wants to. Like, if you watch him at Ohio State, he was not fearful. Like, he was lowering his shoulder. That is something he is comfortable and likes doing. I think the Bills had to learn that with Josh Allen. And yeah. Josh Allen Josh Allen cannot be both your best best passer and your most successful runner yeah. in high volume. Because you're just going to wear him down. And you, you can't have the quarterback wear down in the in late games of the season, especially with how valuable that position is. You can't have that guy wearing down. So he, that's my biggest question with this offense is how many hits is Justin Fields going to take and how can you mitigate that and not lose the dynamic ability of his to run the ball? I like a few of your concerns about the defense too. I mean, I'm a believer in Tremaine Evans a little bit more than you are, uh, but um Pass rush wise, yeah, man, they're bad. They had 20 sacks last year. Their leading sacker last year was Jaquan Brisker with four. It's and it's you know probably not a great sign when your rookie safety is your leading is leading you in sacks. So they had 20. Yannick, the Falcons had 22 total. I can't believe the Falcons had. Yannick and Godway had nine and a half sacks last year. That was more than the Bears' entire team. That's insane. It's or crazy. not their entire team. That was more than their entire defensive line. Yeah, combined. And, 
And like you said, like adding an EK, yeah, that's a start, but like no one on that defensive line scares you as a defensive coordinator. Um, and I understand that, you know, the thing with Eberflus isn't necessarily about gaining pressure, like you pointed out, but you need somebody who can get home if you're going to only rush for. Um, they seem to believe that Yannick is going to be someone who can do that. I, I don't think that he's, if Yannick Ngakwe is your predominant pass rusher, I don't think that you're going to have that successful of a pass and rush. They haven't I think really he's a fine number two. I they haven't even addressed it. Like they haven't really spent any draft Not capital really, on edge no. guys. I think they also believe in Dominique Robinson. And this mm. is a guy that um, I covered when he got drafted by the bears. I talked to him in uh, at rookie training camp last year. Super cool dude. Um, he's starting to come along a lot quicker than people think and people realize. I think they're hoping that, you know, he can be he, not the guy, but another good rotational pass rusher. My biggest thing about Yannick Ngakwe is he hasn't defended the run since 2018. So you can't play him on all three downs. You can yeah, only that's... play him on third down, which is why I guess why you go sign Demarcus Walker, yeah. who is basically a big def- He's a he's a slim defensive tackle, but he's going to play that heavy five. Uh, he's going to play the heavy five, and that we'll see three. how they you know incorporate guys like Gervin Dexter and Zach Pickens too on the defensive line. But they're they're going to be asking a lot of those guys to each you know kind of get theirs if they're only going to send forth the majority uh, of defensive snaps. But I do like the the secondary. I think Jaquan Brisker is an emerging stud at safety. I like the the addition of Tyreek Stevenson. We'll see how Kyler Gordon does as the nickel guy. Um, you know that part of their defense, I'm very much looking forward to. It's like you said, the front seven that I that I do have questions about. And but having, I, at the very least, I think they'll be the the Bears will be fun this year. Having problems in the front seven is not a good sign for a team, especially both in this division and in this conference, where yeah. teams are very much more inclined to run the piss out of the football. Yeah, I like it. Uh, in terms of teams that are not going to run the piss out of the football next year, I don't think the Vikings are going to do that. What do uh, what do you think, Jarrett? Are you a believer in Minnesota being able to run it back next year with this being what seems like the swan song here for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota? You've got, uh, if not the best, the most con- just most dependable wide receiver in football. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, I mean, what was it the Bills game where he just pulled in yes. bonkers catch after bonkers catch where he really went off um, in that one? But like Dalvin Cook out, new defensive coordinator, Aaron Rodgers out of the division. I think they're a really hard team to forecast going into this year. I think they might be the hardest in this division. Do you share that sentiment? Yes, yeah, somewhat because like... If you have Kurt Cousins, you're not going to you're kind of in purgatory as like your worst case scenario. Like Kurt Cousins is good for like seven wins a year. Um, but you look at their defense last year, they were 27th in DVOA. And they've I mean, bringing in Brian Flores as your new def- defensive coordinator, I think he's going to you know do a lot, but it's not going to be a one year project. This is definitely a long term thing. Um Bringing back Harrison Smith, you know, he's still there, but I mean, that Shandon Sullivan in the nickel, he's not there, but he was really bad. So that's probably, you know, addition by subtraction. Patrick Peterson's no longer there. He played good football last year. He's now in Pittsburgh. Um, so they're going to have, they, they, they've, they've let go of a lot of veterans. And Aries Smith's no longer there. Um, and it looks like um, there's going to be a lot of change uh, for Minnesota uh, on that side of the ball. Yes, bringing in, like I said, bringing in Brian Flores helps, but. You know, this is this is a long project, but as long as you have Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, your often their offense is still going to be good. 
I think that their offensive line could still use, you know, a little bit of tuning up uh, on the on the interior a little bit. But in terms of we know what we're going to get from Christian Kirk or Christian Kirk from Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson. Um, I'm looking at their defensive starters right now, like what, what it's going to be just because I was curious, like their current slated starting cornerback cornerback room is Byron Murphy. Who, Byron Murphy's fine. And then it's, he's like good uh, in camp, apparently. Yeah, yeah he's, and that, I think he's their starting nickel. Are, are they hmm. going to start him at nickel? I think I mean, so. Because then they've got guys like uh, Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth, uh, Jawan Williams. Like, there's some questions in the secondary, not named Harrison Smith. And then uh, we'll s- Daniel Hunter How just got How old is paid. Harrison Smith now? 34, I think. He ain't young. And they so, did get Daniel Hunter, who looked like he was on his way out. So, like, yeah, that. They bring him back. And, like, they saw, like, Jordan Hicks is a fine piece in the middle of in the middle of your defense, I don't mind Jordan Hicks, um, but they don't have anybody on that side of the ball that really blows you away. Out, and even that, like Harrison Smith's fine, but he's you know, he's not the you know the old Harrison Smith. He's now you know the you know aging veteran Harrison Smith. And when it comes to that man, like Brian Flores will get the best out of them, and it's not a high bar to clear from last year of what Ed Donatel did. But I think a lot of the issues with Donatel is they didn't have the guys they didn't have speed. Like they couldn't, they couldn't get aggressive because they didn't have guys that could keep up with receivers. So I understand, you know, the need to get rid of Donatel, but at the same time, they didn't have the personnel to really match up with teams. And that's why they, they got cooked more often than they didn't. Um, they're not going to win 11, one score games again. So we can kind of, we can at least take away like at least like three wins at that point. I think that this is a team that will either completely implode or, the offense will keep them in games. They'll win between, you know, they'll go seven and ten to nine and eight and compete for a wild card spot. By no means do I think they're going to be, you know, an 11 12 win team again competing for the division title. I just think that there's too many holes on the defensive side of the ball. Like Jordan Addison and uh, Justin Jefferson as a one two, the offense is going to be so fun, but defensively, they are going to struggle. Yeah, I think I echo a lot of what Jared said, especially about the defense. Uh, one of the things I want to say about Kirk Cousins is I make a I make a lot of fun of Kirk Cousins on here on social media. I make a lot of fun of him. Of him. Uh, last year, he 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 had me a little like, okay, I see you, Kirk. I I see you, game. Um, he's tough as hell, man. He is so tough, especially prove that. Yeah, but also just like. Watching some of the game, the Jets game, where he got absolutely oh. folded, snap after snap. The Commanders game, he was getting split in half. Yeah, um, he's so tough. And one of the things I love that Kevin O'Connell did it was he kind of coaxed more aggression out of Kirk Cousins, throwing down the field, throwing over the middle of the field, and in those contested areas. That's really where he needed to improve the most, and he got that out of him at age thirty-five. So. I just want to give my props to Kirk Cousins on how he played last year. He still was not like top 10 quarterback, but he he played really well for them. Um, of course, Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. He's the best receiver in the league. You're, do you think he's the most you. talented or do you think he's just like, if you had to explain like why Justin Jefferson is number one overall in a very, very deep wide receiver core around the league, like, what actually makes him the best receiver in football right now? First thing that stands out to me is body control. And it's mm. not body control in terms of making like acrobatic catches. It's body control in terms of creating separation. He is 
I compare defensive linemen and wide receivers a lot because they both have the same objective just on different sides of the ball. The wide receiver's objective is to get past the corner and get the ball. The defensive end and edge rusher's objective is to get past the linemen and get to the ball. Mm. And the ways that you do that is with footwork, with manipulation, with the eyes and hips. Justin Jefferson is really good at that and using his body to create separation, just not through the I'm a physical monster like DK Metcalf or Julio Jones, but he has such great body control, awareness. His hands are, of course, fantastic. But the thing that just stands out to me is his his body control and the way he moves. One of the things that I don't remember who said it, but you can I think some someone said you can tell that someone is the best at their position or the best in the game right now by how easy they make things look at what they're doing. Just like in a podcast. Yeah, exactly. It's like Justin Jefferson can make these things look easy because he can create so much separation with manipulation, body control, footwork. His footwork's phenomenal. But yeah, I could go on and on about Justin Jefferson. Isn't it funny though? Like Jamar Chase was seen as just the guy and Jamar Chase is awesome, but like Justin Jefferson's just better and he's just the forgotten guy from LSU. And it was kind of like, oh, look at the Vikings. They're really going to go with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like that's who they're replacing Stefan Diggs with Justin Jefferson. It's like Justin Jefferson's already better than Stefan Diggs. I was very worried that he would be a slot only receiver because that's what he did the most of in college but he can win everywhere and yeah. what what i love that kevin o'connell did last year was he lined him up in the slot it was like hey you were good here in college we'll just keep <laughs> doing that and yeah. gave him kind of the cooper cup diet which justin jefferson is a whole lot better of an athlete than cooper cup so putting him in a cooper cup spot probably lead to the results that we saw last year but he probably can't do that as much this year with jordan addison right no he's still going to i think mm. having jordan addison just gives you another credible threat on the outside and he okay. won't see Jordan Addison will probably see a whole lot more one on Jordan Addison's going to see more one on one coverage this year than he has probably playing football ever in his mm. life because he's playing opposite Justin Jefferson. And one of the things I love about Jordan Addison coming out, he was my wide receiver one, is mm. easy separation. He is a professional get opener. He knows yeah. how to get open. He he knows how to use spacing. Again, I I and space manipulation to get open. One of the things that stood out the most about him. Um, I am worried about their uh, interior offensive line. The tackles are phenomenal. Christian Darasaw is phenomenal. Um, Brian O'Neill, phenomenal. The interior offensive line still needs help. And that's where most of the pressure, you don't want Kirk rolling out of the pocket. You know, you want him stepping up into the pocket. You want every quarterback stepping up to the pocket, but especially a quarterback who's not a great athlete and is also 36 years old. You don't mm. want him rolling out. He's a sneaky 36, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very sneaky 36. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed 36 for Kirk. But um, TJ Hawkinson, also very good. And I think his play as a receiver kind of took off when he got mm. to the uh, Vikings. But like Jared said, defensively, a lot of questions. Um Byron Murphy right now is slated as a starter. I don't know if he's going to play nickel or outside, but he's just said they just said he was a starter. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll see what happens here. Um, not only that, it is a major philosophical change going from an Ed Donatel to Brian Flores defense. Ed Donatel was just very concerned, too far too conservative as a play caller, you know, and it's not just not bringing pressure. Like I agree with what Jared said. Like they couldn't really bring pressure because they just lacked speed. But when I'm talking about conservative as a play caller, 
it is basic. All they ran was quarters and cover six. It was That's diet it. prevent, man. Like it, it was, was so bad. And if you're going to run that, you have to quarterbacks and offense are so smart these days. They've seen everything in the book. You need to throw some change ups. You need to be able to do post snap rotation. And Ed Donatel does not do that. Brian Flores, however, that is what he majors in. But it requires, it asks a lot of those outside corners because you're on islands a whole lot and you better win. Like this is very much like you're, you're better than that guy. Go be better than that guy. And I'm not sure if they have the cornerback talent to do that, but I do think defensively still having Daniel Hunter is going to help a lot. Daniel Hunter's very, very good. Um, I'm yeah. curious to see how Marcus Davenport looks in this defense. It's going to be his first time like outside of the Saints defense. And this is a complete schematic shift for him too. Cause he's going from a hand in the dirt DN to now he's standing up, standing up. I don't think the Vikings are going to be good per se, but I don't think they're going to be bad because that offense is not going to be bad enough to where you're picking in the top five. They're not going to yeah. be good enough to be like, they're going to be that in the hunt team. They're going to be in the but hunt. Isn't there a path to them being what the, finishing last in the NFC North? I think there is. I think there the is. offensive line being bad. The not the lack of depth at running back and receiver. You could see the defense still being pretty bad. There is, but I just think I think they're my pick to finish fourth. I think their offense is far too good to be fourth. Yeah, they're far too talented at the skill positions. Mm. And JP brought up a little bit about TJ Hawkinson. I love TJ Hawkinson, and I think like having him in that zone run type offense opens up so much for him when they're going to run these play action things. He's going to be the first guy that they look to in the flat or coming over the middle. Um, and I think he's going to have an, a, a big year. We saw him have a big year after getting traded to Minnesota, and I think he's going to keep building off that um, this coming season. Um, it, just another mouth to feed for Kirk Cousins. And, and JP pointed out, like, if you want to put, like, you can have Justin Jefferson on the outside, but he can still win from the slot. And if not, then you can line up guys like KJ Osborne, who, you know, a reliable third receiver. Jordan Addison's going to be a lot of fun. I think the offense is going to be too good where they're, they're not going to be in fourth place. Like, Kirk, I pointed this out already. Kirk has proven that he's going to keep you in the hunt. I, I trust them more than I trust a team like the Bears. The, mm. I, you could make the argument that the Bears have the higher ceiling just because if Justin Fields does take that leap, then they are going to be much better than what they were last year. But in terms of the safer pick, I, I, I don't think the Vikings are going to be the, you know running up the tail in, in the NFC North. I think I figured out the perfect kind of stylistic comparison for Justin Jefferson. It's a figure skater or a ballerina in the way that he, in the way that they move. Mm. Figure skaters, ballerinas have such and and ba- ballerinas, they have such good ankle flexion and mobility in their lower bodies where they can tell stories using those lower halves of their body to manipulate movement, to create mm. space. Justin Jefferson uses his lower body. I Apologies for interrupting. I'm just going to plug in my computer, but then I have a question for JP. Eye and hip manipulation to create space. And one of the ways they do does that is through footwork and mm. body control. And it is the coolest thing to watch because, of course, he's still fast. He ran a 4-4-40. This is not like he's just some slouch who is slow. He's still very fast. But you combine that speed with the body control and the ability to 
move your body in different ways, but also be extremely successful while doing that. It's what makes him so special. That that body control is really it's really what stands out. And it the body control thing come comes up it, in receivers in different ways. I think just comparing them to Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase's body control is more above the rim and the verticality and being able to win contested one-on-one catches on the outside despite being six foot 201. You know, Justin Jefferson's body control is more, I'm not going to say it's not above the rim because he still can do that very well. It's just he is at his best below the rim, you know, manipulating defenders, creating space that way. JP, if Justin Jefferson was a wrestler, what, who would he be? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think I have a couple in mind. Um, you know, I kind of think of, I kind of think of a luchador. I don't know uh, what. Okay, luchador. I, I've got, I've got one in my head. That that's the route that I went. I don't know what luchador, but the way that luchadors are able to move their bodies, I. The one that came to, to my head when you're talking about body control is Ray Phoenix. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. the The ability to control your body and contort your body while not making it look super flashy, where it's just like it's just casual that he does yeah. this every day. It's just it's just very cool. Football is very cool when you can see different movements that should not be evident in this sport, where 300 pound men are crashing into each other at equivalents of major car accidents. Football so you should tune in to Dante Thornton uh, as the new Jamison Williams for Tennessee this fall. Um, JP didn't like that one. Uh, the Lions here, JP, when you look at where the Lions are, the favorites coming in this year, no Jameson Williams again. I'm not sure if Jameson Williams is ever going to happen for uh, Detroit. I just I feel like this might be a situation where there's always going to be something with Jameson Williams and the Lions. They draft Jameer Gibbs. He looks pretty good. He'll be in the slot a lot. Great offensive line. Solid-ish defense. A lot of interesting ways they filled out their draft capital here uh, with the Jack Campbells of the world. But when you look at this group, what they're bringing back, keeping Ben Johnson was big for them. Does this strike you as a team that is going to win the division when they are predicted to win the division before this season? I'm in, baby. Oh, wow. Let's roll. Let's roll with this Lions team. And the main reason is power, mother effing football. (laughs) That is – that's real. They do real football over there in Detroit. Oh, wow. Again, it's not just the fact that they are – I'm not going to say zigging while other teams are – or zagging while other teams are zigging. That's Uh too cliche. It's – they run every – offensive run scheme in the book and they are very Mm. good at it they can do the outside zone stuff that everybody was running in 2018 and defenses learn how to stop but they are so good in power counter tackle dart where they have panay sewell pulling panay sewell pulled so many times and it was beautiful he is such a good athlete in space it is so cool watching him move again people that big should not move that fast and also he's like maybe 21 he might have just turned 21 i don't mm-hmm. know I like he's been in the league for like ever but is also so young yeah i mean i think he came into the draft at like 19 that's crazy mm-hmm. 
He's 22 years old and is already the third best right tackle in the league. Like that's you can make the argument that he's second now that uh Tristan Wirfs is playing left. Yeah. But you go across an offensive line. Frank Ragnow, phenomenal. One of the best centers in the game. Um, Taylor Decker, very good. Very good. I think he is good. He's good enough for that offense. Jonah Jackson, very fun moments as a puller. It was so fun watching him pull. I think they need him to remain healthy. I think they're still looking for another right guard, which they'll figure it out. But one of the things that stood out about that offense is they were kind of, I'm not going to say they were ahead of the time for real, but they saw that teams were getting lighter up front and were like, okay, we'll just run the ball for six yards a pop. You try and stop that. It is very, as a former defender, it is very demoralizing and very, and it hurts very, very much when a team continues to run the ball 30 times at six yards a pop and you can't stop it because you know what's about to happen and nothing is going to make that, nothing's going to work against that. It's just, it just doesn't help. Nothing, nothing works. Jared Goff, I think he's, he's the same quarterback as he was in Los Angeles to, to a major degree. But where I think Ben Johnson kind of, and I'm repeat, I'm echoing this a lot with Kirk Cousins, which is you can tell like where Jared Goff falls on the Kirk scale. One thing that's new get, Kirk. I'm not, I don't know if he's new Kirk, but one is of the things that Kirk? Ben Johnson, one of the things that Ben he's Johnson comfortable got, Kenny Pickett, comfortable in the pocket, Kenny Pickett. He knows his limitations. He's I'm not gonna say comfortable in the pocket. There's sometimes he gets real goofy. He's uh. He's Blaze Pizza, Kenny. Oh Pickett. wow, he he's West Blaise Coast Pizza Kenny. Slaps. He's, he's I don't think he's I've West ever Coast had Kenny. Blaze. He's West Coast Kenny, and that's fine. I okay. think one of the things that Ben Johnson got out of him last year was again aggressiveness, throwing the ball down the field. He is he will still turn into a chicken head and throw the ball short of the sticks, but it it was night and day watching him continue to be aggressive down the field. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, we all know about Amon Ross St. Brown. Very good receiver. So good in the slot. I am worried about how they're going to consistently create explosives in this passing game without Jamison Williams for the first six weeks. I don't know what Denzel Mims is. I don't know if anybody knows what Denzel Mims is. We'll see. But He's worth a flyer for Detroit. He's worth a flyer. Sure. It's worth worth a try Mm. because you didn't really give up that much for Denzel Mims. And again, the thought of Denzel Mims is cool. We'll see. Um, I love the Jameer Gibbs pick. Mm. I, at first, I was wondering why, but then I'm like, actually, I'm in on this. I love it. Because one thing that he does that DeAndre Swift can't do is actually have vision and see how blocks are developing. So he's going to help in that area of the running game. He's a great receiver. So they can get into looks like 21 personnel, 12 personnel, keep teams in base defense but not have it in terms of like under center traditional 12 personnel. You can have Jameer Gibbs lining up everywhere. It's very much the cliche now. Don't call yourself a running back. Call yourself an offensive weapon, and that will make everybody love you. But Jameer Gibbs really will be an offensive weapon for that uh, for Detroit's offense. I'm so hyped to see what they look like this year. Even without Jamison Williams, I want to see how they can try and create explosives. Defensively, I have more questions than mm. a lot of people uh, still do. 
Um, mainly because the secondary is still like they're an injury away from not even an injury away. Like, well, yeah, they're an injury away from being real bad. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley is still on the P, uh, on the pup list after uh, rupturing an Achilles. C.J. Gardner Johnson um, messed up. I think he messed up his knee early, but came back. But you know, that depth is still going to be an issue in the secondary. The hope is that Aiden Hutchinson makes has a couple more steps of growth as a pass rusher. I think a lot of his sacks last year were uh they were of the unblocked sacks where like everybody just forgets that he's on the field and he comes in unblocked. He'd had some very nice moments, but they were more flashes. I also really like the Jack Campbell pick and I I love it because the Lions defense knows where teams want to be successful. Teams want to be successful over the middle of the field. It is a whole lot easier to throw passes over the middle of the field because you don't have to compete with the sideline. You don't have to compete with, you know, oh, if, I have to, if I'm throwing the ball way out here, you have to win, and you also have to stay in bounds. Middle of the field, there's more real estate. That's why teams now are flooding the middle of the field. Force teams to throw the ball outside, take those low percentage throws. Jack Campbell, while being 6'5", 246, he, is a, he has a very good feel for coverage and route distribution in the middle of the defense. That's something that Malcolm Rodriguez, while I enjoy what he did against the run, not that good at. And Alex Anzalone is just not it. So I'm very excited to see what this Lions defense looks like. I'm all in, man. I am in. I think this Lions team is going to be fun. I think they're going to be good. I think they should. I think they will win the division. Oh, okay. Are you just as optimistic here? Do you think they end up winning this division? Yeah, I do. Um, And everything that JP said, I think is pretty spot on. Um, They recognize that the the worst part of their defense last year was their secondary. And that's why they went out and signed Emmanuel Mosley and CJ Garner Johnson and Cam Sutton. Um, I'm looking at it right now, actually. So last year, total defense, 28th Mm. in DVOA. Pass defense, 23rd in DVOA. They were horrible in the first half of the year. They got better in the second half of the year, but they were bad uh, in the first half of the year. Um, And they were 26 in DVOA against the run. So they're going to need to see that. I think that's why you go out and get a guy like a Jack Campbell who is athletic, and you can put him in the middle of your defense, and he has a nose for the ball that can take away teams' run games. They're going to need to see. You know, I saw guys like Isaiah Bugs come over and be a fundamental fundamental part of their defensive line rotation like they're going to expect you know those guys in the middle to to get better uh and and help Aiden Hutchinson um so in terms of how they attacked free agency in the draft I I I loved it a lot and I know that a lot of people didn't like the Jameer Gibbs pick but I mean behind that offensive line he is going to eat and I'm excited to see what the offense looks like I think the hatred for the Jameer Gibbs pick came at a time when they still had DeAndre Swift and everyone's sure. like, oh, why did you pick this guy when you have Swift and you have uh, now David Montgomery? But also, Jameer Gibbs is better than DeAndre Swift. Correct. I think DeAndre Swift, I'm not, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent about this one player who doesn't even play for the Lions anymore. DeAndre Swift gets a lot of hype from fantasy football people, but he's not actually that good of a running back. I didn't start off good in Detroit. We should have known think, with that drop, the touchdown against late. Against the Bears, yeah. yeah. I think... Mm. DeAndre Swift can be good. It's just DeAndre Swift cannot follow blocks. And 
in a gap-based offense, all you have to do is follow the block. Follow the big guy in front of you, and he will lead you to success. DeAndre Swift likes to ad-lib. You know, it's a lot like when you're in like middle school band and you think you're a lot better than everybody else, and you try and go in, you try and go improv when everybody else is doing the, uh is reading the sheet music. You're not you're not him. I'm sorry, middle school, you you you're not that guy. Not yet, but you you can't do that in this in this uh band, and you can't do that in that offense. So middle school I think band did. analogy. Oh, you know, I was a I was a middle I was a middle school band guy. I was uh, what instrument? I was tenor saxophone in, in concert band, bass sax in jazz band. Okay, those are yeah. hard. I heard. I remember like jazz was the one they they pushed people away from me. Like you're doing the clarinet. You're you're not built for jazz. You're not built for the sax. You're not built for the the trumpet or anything like that. The baritone bass sax was so heavy. That oh. was a, that was the only thing. It was just really heavy. I had a lot of fun. Do you still play? Um, no, but it helped me read sheet music. So I hmm. can read, I can read a song. I can read sheet music really well. I just yeah. don't know if I, I don't know if I can still play it have to, it take me like a couple of days to get, get back up to doing it. But yeah, uh, Deandre Swift wasn't that great. I think Jameer Gibbs will be a much big, bigger improvement for them. The lions are going to be fun. I, I just don't think they're winning the division. I think this has all the recipe for like seven and ten. I'm just not a believer that Jared Goff and this offense is going to have enough firepower to win 11, 12 games that they might need to win this division. I just, I don't think they'll, they'll need to win 11, 12. I think if they go 10 and seven, they're winning the division. Maybe. I just, the team we'll talk about last um, is the team that I just, I, I just think they're win- it's going to crush Lions fans because the year this would be the most just crushing way for this to go is the Lions have this belief that they're going to win it predicted to win it betting markets like it and then the Packers are just after investing first round pick after first round pick in their defense the defense is actually really good this year Jordan Love is good enough. Christian Watson is an absolute dude out wide in year two. They just, their tight ends are awesome. And their offensive line and back to Yari is healthy. And the Packers just steamroll this division and become the Niners 2.0 and just wreck people. And I could see it. And I, I'm probably going to pick this. I'm just going to go out and say, and this kind of leads it into this conversation. I think the Packers are winning the NFC North. And I think they're going to go like, 11 and 5, 11 and right. 6 this year. So I have kind of, in the past few days, I've kind of taught myself in the Packers being good. We're, yeah. I, I think, think I've done look, the same thing, which is crazy. Look, look, man, I know we have a lot of reservations about Jordan Love. He played well in the limited time that he saw last year. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that the Eagles game when Rodgers went out, he looked so much more confident in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that matters a lot. Now not having like he is the quarterback in Green Bay, and I think that's going to do a lot for his confidence. Um, I also think they're going to lean into what everybody else is leaning into in the NFC: twelve personnel, twenty mm. personnel. They are going to run the piss out of that football. Um, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are one of the best running back duos in the league. They drafted two tight ends this year, which, yeah, now that you now that Mercedes Lewis and Rob Tanyan are both gone. It makes sense, you know, and they brought in two different kinds of tight ends, which makes so much sense. Tucker Craft is more of your traditional Y 
inline blocker, can do a lot of stuff short and intermediate parts of the field. Um, Luke Musgrave is more of a big guy, run fast and run far. And hmm. that's, that's a perfect one too that you want for that offense. Christian Watson, I think developed a little bit more as a wide receiver. I still want to see him go through like a full route tree. I think last year they had him on the slower diet of you're going to run jet sweeps and you're going to run fast across the field or straight down the field. And it hmm. worked. Um, but yeah, the defense is going to rock. I'm all in on this defense. I think last year it was very rocky in terms of what they were at, what they were trying to do up front. They tried, I think they were trying to do too much up front. Um, but th- that defense is too talented to be, to be bad again this year. I think Quay, Quay Walker made a lot of strides last year. Devondre Campbell still pretty good. Rashawn Gary was a monster last year before getting hurt. Look, man, I, I think the Packers are going to be good. I think I think they're going to be better than people expect them to be. I agree. And I think that this is going to be a year where we learn a lot about Matt LaFleur as well, because I think a lot of people just chalked up the, su- the success of LaFleur in Green Bay just to Aaron Rodgers. Which, mm-hmm. is LaFleur, wild, which is wild, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers that Aaron Rodgers was putting up the, the couple seasons before LaFleur showed up compared to the numbers that he put up after LaFleur showed up. It's incredible, man. Um and yeah, you talk, touch about the def- talked about the defense. Like Kenny Clark's still going to be really good. Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, like they still got guys on that side of the ball, and they're going to be really good. Eric God, Stokes God. played really well. Eric Stokes, yes. Um, man, I don't know. I might have just been talking. They might win the division, man. So I don't know. My <laughs> biggest reason why they won't win a division is David Bakhtiari might not be healthy. If David Bakhtiari is not healthy, then you're reshuffling the offensive line yeah. again. Zach Tom has played really well in camp at center, but he also has played outside and left tackle. You don't want him to have to keep shuffling between center and tackle. Again, like I said earlier, playing offensive line is really hard. You can't just shuffle it like it's Madden. Um, I think they've got who, like a Caleb Jones at the other tackle spot behind Bakhtiari. Like it, yeah, like, I don't know what they're going to do. If Bakhtiari is not healthy, that changes the outlook a lot. Mm. And it's not just David Bakhtiari is not healthy. It's you're reshuffling that entire offensive mm. line again. Similar to what we saw with Dallas last year in their offensive line, having to constantly retool when we saw what that yeah. did to their offense. Yeah, to an extent, Green Bay had to do that too last year. Yeah. That's why Aaron Rodgers was under a lot of pressure last year, a whole lot more than he faced in previous years. And it was because offensive line just wasn't really that healthy. That's really my only holdup for the Packers this year is. Do you like what they I, did with the two tight ends they drafted? Like, are they, yes. you think they're going to be immediately I awesome? Was smart. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're going to be immediately very good, but I, I understand the process. That's my mm. entire thing about the NFL draft and drafting players and signing players is if I understand your process, I'm in, I'll see what, mm. I'll see what happens. Um, that's really, that's really all it is with the draft. You're just drafting based on the process. You don't know what it's going to look like yet. They drafted just, Lucas Van Ness too, as well out of yeah. Iowa. I, I like that, that pick a lot. Such, that is such a Packers Brian Gutenkutz <laughs> edge pick. Just big, physical, mean guys on the edge. Yeah, we got the Steelers over here. Only drafted Wisconsin. The Steelers are quietly just becoming what the Washington Commanders have been. We're like, let's just draft the SEC guy on the defensive line. Alabama, right. if there's not an Alabama guy, we'll just draft a Mississippi State guy, second best. Like we'll we'll just go down. The, 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 we we just we'll, we'll be all right. Talk about the Steelers have like 
two. Because the Wisconsin obviously with Watt and Keanu Benton and Erbig. But like yeah. people talk about the Eagles drafting a lot of Georgia guys. Darnell Washington went to Georgia. Roderick Jones went to Georgia. George Pickens went to Georgia. Yeah. It's a Pennsylvania thing, maybe not just it is a, a Pennsylvania thing. It must be. And maybe Mike Tomlin also, also has a thing for Maryland people too. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but Maryland maybe, is his thing. Well, that's where Matt Canada came all, from. Maybe it's also that Georgia was the best college football team ever or last that. two years. Yeah. Or that. Like I'm sure like if you just watch the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs, you just say, hey, I want that guy. Yeah. But it's also a little bit overdone with the Eagles. Like Keely Ringo, I think he'll be fine. Like he'll be okay. Go to the draft. Like I was just over the shtick of everybody like giggling to themselves. Like, oh my goodness, they keep taking Georgia players. Like, cool. I mean, like it's just going to be the stars and like these teams, like how could you pass on them? Like Nakobe Dean might never be healthy. Like there's a reason that he fell. There's a reason that like, Jordan Davis, like how many snaps is he ever going to be able to play a game? And then Jalen Carter is a legitimate like wrecking ball. Like Jalen Carter, I 100% understand. But like outside of that, like I don't know how these guys are going to handle. I will not allow the disrespect of Jordan Davis to slide. I understand the snap count problem. Yes. I, I, I get it. But you don't have to play all like 90 snaps a game. When the snaps you play, you are an automatic minus two in the run game. Hmm. You you are an like automatic in baseball. Yeah, you're. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he is. You don't have to play all three downs. You know, like just if you can get them into second and long and third and long, I will sub you off the field. And it's okay, and I'm cool with that. Jordan Davis can do that. But okay. Yes, I'd say draft. So we're all, all in agreement, draft. though. Packers are winning this division. Be. No. Oh, I'm, I think that'll be good. I think they'll be. I think that they'll probably, at the very least, be in the hunt for a wild card spot. Like we talk about how top heavy the NFC is, but I think there's going to be a lot of these like seven, eight, nine win teams. We're going to go into like week sixteen, and like thirteen very, of the sixteen NFC teams are still going to be like mathematically alive. It's a very, hmm. very, very deep middle class of NFC teams. Yeah, yeah. I get if I'm guessing order, I'm going to say Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears, but. Hmm. I think the gap between the Vikings and Bears is going to be very small. Like, I'm going to go Packers, distant gap. I think they may, I think they go 12 or 13. I think I'm going to say 12 whoa, and 5. Chase Thomas, if the Green Bay Packers win 13 games, I will do whatever the hell you want on this podcast. That That's not happening, man. Okay, I, let's, let's game this out, shall we? Let, mm-hmm. Let's game this out. All right, so... Week one, they're at Chicago. That's a win. That's going to be a big... Uh, I, I'm not chalking that up to be a win because I think the Bears are could very potentially be a playoff team in their own right if everything goes well. Yeah. That game is going to be a hellscape for Twitter, man. Because mm-hmm. Bears and Packers fans are arguing over Jordan Love and Justin Fields. like They're having a mid-off. It's so annoying, and I'm tired of seeing it. Week two, at Atlanta. I think we'll know... I think that's a it, win. I think it's a win for the Packers. I wouldn't pick the Falcons to beat the Packers yet. Week three at home against New Orleans. So we're looking at three and zero there. Week four in Detroit. Oh, at Detroit at home, yeah, four now. I think they'll split with Detroit. Detroit at home. It is a Thursday. Yeah. Um, and then they play the Raiders in Vegas Monday night. It's a dub. That's a win. So we have them going five and zero going into four and one, five and zero at the worst. Here's a. They're not going with with the turnover at quarterback. They're going to screw one of those games up. Like they're gonna lose a game that they should win, so I think four and one. And, at best. All right, we'll go four and one no, here. We'll go four and one. one. 
the month of November heading into early December is a hellscape for them because, well, they start off with the Rams. We've discussed the Rams, but yeah. at, at Pittsburgh, at home against its Chargers, at Detroit, at home against Kansas City, and then at the New York Giants. Jeez. Giants might be terrible. I think they'll win two of those. Again. The Rams might be terrible. Them. Steelers might be the worst team in the AFC North. They're not going to be. I don't know, but I'm saying like there's a path for this schedule to be very like this is not a daunting okay, schedule. But here's the thing. Like you pointed out all of those things, but not all of them will happen. Like, no, for sure. I just think enough's gonna go right. This team's winning twelve or thirteen games. I will say the height for the number one seed in the NFC that you're giving the Green Bay Packers with a It wouldn't lot surprise of me. Like that wouldn't floor me. The hype for the Detroit Lions did not do them much favors when yeah. it comes to scheduling because they have Kansas City first. Then Seattle, then they play Atlanta, which is probably going to be a win. No, they're uh, not beating Atlanta. No chance. No, 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 no. That game no, is no. in Detroit, week three. You just no, said no, they, the no, Packers no. weren't going to win in Atlanta. You just said the Packers were going to beat Atlanta in Atlanta, week two. Yeah, I think their defense is going to be uh, a lot for Desmond Ritter to handle. I don't think Ritter will fare well against uh, the Packers front. You're not going to like so. my quarterback rankings this year, Bob. Okay, we'll we'll just continue past that. Sorry. Uh, then they play at Green Bay. We gave them the loss there. Carolina t- at Tampa at Baltimore Vegas then the bye week. It's a tough, tough November. I mean, tough November. It smells December. very five hundred to me. I mean, not even, not only that. Like the Kansas City and Seattle games, they're probably going to lose to Kansas City. I think Seattle's very winnable. Um, Is that at Seattle? You said that's at home. They got them in Detroit. Okay, that's winnable. They, Last time they played in Detroit, they ran up the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. They can, they can beat Atlanta. I think they can beat Green Bay. I they can beat too. they can beat Carolina. They should beat Tampa Bay. Baltimore is going like to be rough. five and two through seven, four and three through seven. Okay, though I really do think this division is going to come down to the Lions and Packers. I think the gap between the Lions and Packers is going to be a whole lot closer than the gap between whoever I agree finishes with that. second and whoever finishes third. I agree with that. I throw the Bears in there only if their offense is as explosive as it has the potential to be because their defense, we've already pointed out, their pass rush isn't going to be very good. I think Vikings fans are also sneaky okay with this being a gap year and this kind of being a reset, oh, ride this out. They're not going to be a Super Bowl team this year. I yeah. think I, I great. So I, I did a piece like grading the most recent extensions and I graded Daniel Hunter's as, as the worst. Like nothing mm. against Daniel, Daniel Hunter. Congratulations on him getting his money. But what are you if you're the Vikings with the Neil Hunter? You're they, and you're not going to win the Super Bowl with them. You might as well you might as well just commit to sucking this year, they, getting a high already, draft pick. They've already said what they were going to do. They've been saying this since Coesio Dofomenza was hired. They are competitively rebuilding. Yeah. Whatever you want, whatever you want that to mean, they've said they're going to competitively eh, competitively rebuild. This is a team that looks exactly like a competitive rebuild. They're yeah. not going to be. They're not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. They're not going to be bad enough to be in a top pick. It is a very risky business to do that because unless you absolutely hit on a quarterback in the middle rounds of the or in the middle areas of the draft or trade for a guy, you're you might be stuck uh, riding that wheel of QB purgatory. Well, well, that's where Trey Lance and or Kyler Murray come in in 2024. Mm. JP Acosta, what can the good folks check out from you over at SBNation.com this week? Uh, going to be getting more into some college football stuff. Um, probably going to be releasing the top 25 of my own 
uh, later on this week. It'll probably have Tennessee on it. Thank you. Top but 10. I'm not going to give you all. I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you any expectations. Coaches poll saw top 10. So if you, I mean, if you want to go against the coaches and the sport, I mean, that's your prerogative, but I will I, always go. I'll go against everybody in the sport. If you ask me, if you ask me to, I'll turn this straight up into, uh, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but yeah, got a college football top 25 coming out. Going to be getting more some film, especially as preseason starts, preseason film starts coming out. I already feel the sicko brain coming back because mm. I watched the Browns offense. and I was like, Hey, they can do some of this stuff with Deshaun Watson. So just follow me on Twitter. See what I'm doing. There you go. Jared Bailey. What about you? Pump fake. We got USA today behind the steel curtain. What can the good bucks check out from you? Too much. <laughs> so much things. Uh, yeah. So behind the steel curtain, all the Steelers stuff, deputy, deputy editor over there. Once the season gets going, I'll have like my normal weekly pieces. I'll have, my quarterback rankings come out every Tuesday on Behind the Steel Curtain. Once we kind of get into, you know, like I said, once we get into like regular season, I might do an inaugural one in the preseason just to kind of give us a base to go off of. And then after week one, every Tuesday for those, every Tuesday as well on USA Today, I'm doing the power rankings this year. Everybody's going to come at me on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, when you see that your team is ranked like 16th and you want to tell me that they're the best team in the league, read those on USA Today. Uh, very much looking forward to doing that throughout the season. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I uh, kind of, you know, the past couple of weeks, I took off the pump fake just because I feel like everything that can be said has been said for the most part co- coming from my mouth. But we'll start getting into those now that preseason is back an episode a week. Uh, those will start this week again. And yes, I believe that is the majority of my stuff. But follow me on X, I guess is what we're calling it now at, at J Bailey NFL. Um, to keep up with everything busy busy full plate nfl season it's very very exciting also of course forgot to plug regular season established fun season two back and better than ever we got it we got to do something even bigger now that first now that the first year is done you gotta try and go harder so established fun coming to a timeline near you in the nfl regular season i love it i love it JP, Jarrett, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to y'all next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.